Crossing family. How are you doing today? You doing all right? Man, I'm excited to be able to spend some time with you today. I want to welcome those of you joining in all of our different locations, those of you watching online, and those of you part of the Crossing Inside family. I also want to welcome those of you joining for the first time or the first time in a long time. We are so glad that you are here. Hopefully somebody's already told you that they love you, that they like you, and that they're, you're, they're glad you're here. If not, uh, it's my pleasure to be able to be the one of the people who gets to do that. If at any point in time during the sermon you get bored and you're like, when is this guy going to stop? You can still look super spiritual by pulling out your phone, click on that QR code, and it'll give you an opportunity to kind of take some next steps or learn more about our church. Um, what I want to do real quick is I want to do a quick prayer on the front end. I want to pray over a couple specific things. Right now, there are four people from our church who are in India. Um, Randy and Becky Dresch from our Hannibal location, who also used to be a part of our 48th Street location, as long as, uh, as well as Jim and Karen Dennis, who basically had a significant impact about everywhere. Um, they are in India right now, encouraging pastors, uh, looking for mission partnering or opportunities, and also working specifically to find young um, men and women and figure out a way to get them enrolled and pay for their continuing education so that way they can be deployed into ministry. And I just want to come alongside of them and pray for them today. So would you guys just join me in prayer for just a second? Heavenly Father, we are nothing without you. Uh, this sermon's nothing, I'm nothing, this service is nothing, this church is nothing without your presence. And so God, we're asking you to do a work in each and every single heart and every single life today. I also just want to pray over the Drishes and the Dennises and all the people that they're going to be ministering to and learning from while they are in India. Keep them safe. I know that they've been there for a while now. I'm sure that some of the fatigue is beginning to set in. But God, I pray that they would receive strength from your spirit and that they would be able to be an encouragement to every single person that they meet. God, I don't know all of the different backgrounds and circumstances that are being navigated by the people that can hear my voice right now, but God, I know that you are bigger than them all and that you care about them all and help us instead of running from you to lean into you. In your name I pray, amen. I, uh, I heard a cool story. Uh, a couple who are a part of our church, close uh, dear friends of Jennifer and I, she has a cousin who has been kind of going through it. They'll have a season where things are going really well, and when they're doing well, they're one of the best. And then there's seasons where they kind of fall uh, off the wagon and they kind of go into a pretty deep, uh, dark pit. And they don't live in the area, but there's been a lot of interaction going back and forth. And eventually they're like, you know what, you, should, you need to go to church. You got to go to church. And he's like, yeah, I got to go to church. Well, they don't live anywhere near here, and they live out in Maryland. And so... This guy uh, wakes up on a Sunday morning and goes into this random church in Maryland, gets done with church that Sunday, and calls back and goes, I just went to this fantastic church. It was exactly what I needed to hear. Uh, they're starting this brand new sermon series called Weeds in My Garden. And we actually prayed for that church without even knowing that somebody from our church who has a loved one would actually be attending that church. And only God can stitch those kind of stories together. And I know that there are some of you today who are going, 
you're in it. And you feel like you are a long way off from your win story. But God's timing is perfect, and he is more in their corner than you could ever be. And don't ever, don't ever, don't ever doubt what God can do with just a little bit of obedience and a little bit of prayer. We are getting ready for a big Super Bowl weekend at the Crossing. I told you about this uh, Last weekend, we're bringing in Steve Weatherford. It's going to be a great service for you guys to invite your friends and family. They're going to have a wonderful time getting to hang out with him. On that Saturday, we're going to be doing the Frigid 5K. And all of the money that we take in from the Frigid 5K is going to go to support people who have been uh, trapped and are dealing with modern-day slavery, specifically in sex trafficking. There's going to be over 100 million people watch the Super Bowl this year and today. In our present climate, there are 40 million people still trapped in modern-day slavery, and we want to do something about it. You're going, but Clayton, it's going to be cold. I know. That's why it's called a frigid 5K. And I know you guys all have car hearts, okay? I know this. We've lived here long enough, and if you don't have some, they sell them at literally almost every store. So go buy something warm and go for a run or a walk. If you're a runner, Jill, uh, run, Okay. If you're not a runner, <laughs> this guy, uh, just come with me. We'll, we'll do like our own little side bits, like who can eat the most hot dogs during a 5K, all right? And the goal of this is it's going to be a great opportunity for us to make memories with our friends and our family and also support a great cause. You can sign up for that on the QR code. I'm hoping that we'll have over 500 people join us in the first inaugural, and it might be the only uh, 5K we ever do as a church. The other thing is when you get ready for Super Bowl weekend, would you make sure that you try and invite some friends to hang out with you or go to a place where you can point some people to Jesus because we want to be a light in the world. Now, uh, we are in a sermon series called There Has to Be a Place. And we've talked about all kinds of stuff. There has to be a place that makes Jesus' last words their first priority. And you guys know what those words are, Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." And the word discipleship, this is kind of how we explain what discipleship is. Discipleship is moving people from the left to right. So if you have a minus five, a person who, you know, uh, hates God, and you have a person who's plus five, who's your grandma, who's already met God probably, because you really got to be in heaven to get to the plus five. Uh, our job is to move people from left to right. That's what uh, being a discipler is. And then we talked about there has to be a place that believes that Jesus still changes people, that over time, sometimes our faith in what God can do has been eroded, but we want to rekindle that belief that God is still moving and active, that his power is not diminished, he's just as alive, just as amazing, and just as life-changing as he has always been. And then we talked about there has to be a place where the people of God leverage their, uh, their gifts to advance God's glorious mission, that all of us, every single one of us, have a gift that was placed in us by God to serve the mission of God through the church. Why are we doing this? That's super easy too, you guys know this answer. Because we wanna make this place, all 10,795 square miles, the hardest place on planet Earth to get to hell from. Every day when you wake up uh, and your alarm goes off, I want demons going, they're awake! Because we are flat serious about helping people in our region 
know the beauty of the cross and the power of the resurrection and God's forgiveness and his love. And in order to make this a reality, there has to be a place that is committed to biblical community. There has to be a place that is committed to biblical community. Hear me, Jesus is not enough. God is not enough. You cannot live the life that God called you to live or accomplish the purposes that he, you were created to engage in if you are doing it alone. And I know for some of you right now, you're going, um, Clayton, I've been in church a long time and based on what you just said, there's two words that come to my mind. Blasphemy, heresy. You're going, I knew it. Clayton was way too fun to be a real Christian. Okay, but just stay with me for a second. Can I, all right, we gotta deal with this. Um, a long time ago when I was talking, I would do spirit fingers and my wife critiqued it and so I stopped. I stopped doing this. But then recently she said that when I do this, come here, that she hates that. So come here. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Look at this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Who's the us? Who's the our? God exists in community, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now check this out, Genesis chapter two, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not, everybody say this word. Do you guys know what the word good is? Yeah, good. For man to be, uh-oh, alone. I will make him a, I will make a helper suitable for him. For those of you who've been around church for a long time, here's Adam living in perfect community with God, and God says in that perfect community, it's not good for him to be alone. So he forms someone to come alongside of him, a suitable helper. I can continue in the Old Testament. Think of all of the main characters that, and all the incredible endeavors that they accomplished. You had Moses and he had Aaron. And at times he had her, H-U-R. Then you had David and Jonathan and David and his mighty men. Then you had Shadrach, Meshach, and away we go. Then there was Gideon and the 300. There was Nehemiah who built, some of you didn't get that joke, and that's why our church exists, to help people who are far from Jesus find an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Nehemiah built the wall with a community of people committed to the project. But you are, might be gone, but Clayton, I'm a New Testament Christian. That's all Old Testament. Okay, fine, let's hang out in the New Testament for a little bit. There's this main character who arrives on the uh, scene in the first four books. Um, his name is Jesus, also known as Son of God, kind of a big baller in the Bible. And one of the first things he does before he starts his earthly ministry is what? Circle up a group of 12 dudes to be in community with, to be about his mission. And then check this out. When the Son of God sends them out to do his ministry, he sends them out the exact same way Noah got all the animals on the ark. Two by, that's exactly right. You were made for community. If you want to accomplish the purposes of God, he wants you to accomplish that in community. And there might be some of you, like the real grade A curmudgeon, who's going, but Clayton, that was before the Holy Spirit showed up. And once the Holy Spirit shows up and Jesus comes into my heart, I don't need community anymore. Well, come here for a second. Uh, read the book of Acts and see what happens. 
you'll see that there's all kinds of ministry moments that people are doing together. Read the rest of the New Testament, and almost in every epistle, which is the letters that were written by Paul to the different churches, it ends by him sending greetings to the people that he was doing ministry alongside. When you read the scriptures, you're going to hear about Peter and John, Paul and Silas, Paul and Timothy, Paul and Barnabas, Peter and John Mark. In short, the idea of living the Christian life outside of community would have been foreign to the biblical authors, to the biblical text, to the community in the first century church, to all of church history, and to God himself. You were made to live in community. It is God's way of equipping you to manage the life that you've been called to live and to, uh, to excel. Now, look at what it says here in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Let's pause here for a second. Uh, do you guys remember when you were freshly married, like in your honeymoon stage, you both looked good naked? Remember those? Like lights on times. And uh, uh, Jennifer and I, freshly married, and I was playing basketball, threw my back out, okay? And I w it was one of those back problems that you can get on the toilet, but you can't get back up, right? Fortunately, God put me in community with a wife. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone, I could still be there today, <laughs> who falls down and has no one to help them up. Let's keep going. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Let's keep going. Or though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Guess who writes this? The guy's name is Solomon. Universally known outside of Jesus as the wisest man to ever live. If the wisest man who ever lived says to you, it is not good for you to be alone, that you need to be in community, I think we should go, all right, we got to get this thing figured out. In my experience, I do not know of a person who is in a small group or a D group, and when I mean small group or D group, think small group is like co-ed group, D group as dudes getting together or girls getting together. I don't know, women, whatever. Uh, I have never seen a person who's in a small group or a D group who's had their needs go unmet. I've seen small groups and D groups prepare meals for weeks. I've seen them pool their money to meet a need. I've seen their small groups show up to pray at hospitals and at funeral homes. It is in biblical community that you get to know people and people get to know you. I had a person call me one time and they were frustrated that no one came to see them at the hospital and no one came to pray for them at their house and follow up with them and see how they were doing. And um, there was a longer conversation and it was, you know, I was super nice and pastoral, but there was this chunk in that conversation where I asked them some questions. Uh, hey, your small group didn't come and take care of you. Who's your small group leader? I'll, I'll call them up, figure out what was going on and, and see how, you, how it fell through the cracks. Well, I'm not in a, I'm not in a life group, okay. Um, well, then let me call your ministry leader and see um, how this situation was overlooked. Well, I'm not in a ministry. And I said, okay, the reason why nobody came in your hour of need is because nobody knew you were in need. You had no community. Pity the person who falls down and has no one to pick them up. Now, uh, you need to know this. Some of the very best pastoral care that happens at this church 
does not happen at my hands. It doesn't even happen at the hands of our campus pastors. It happens because small groups and ministry groups know what is going on and are there to help you live out your Christian walk. Biblical community is God's way of encouraging you in your faith. The Bible is full of one another passages. Over 100 times in the New Testament, in 94 different verses. 47 of those verses are instructions to us as Jesus followers. A third are about getting along. A third are about loving one another. 15% deal with your attitude toward one another. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 6. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. His goal is for you to be in relationship. Now, some of you might be going, oh, I understand what's happening here. Uh, we're getting ready to start first of the month here, so I should get in a life group so that way I can get my rent paid at the end of the month. That's not what this is about. This is about you proactively being in community and growing in Christ. And inside of that community, as your affections for one another grow, you find yourself being become bonded through Christ and you become brothers and sisters and you can't help but see somebody you care about and somebody that you've submitted to and somebody that you are in relationship with uh, struggle, you come alongside of them and you lift them up. Because I don't know if you know this, sometimes life gets hard. And sometimes the Christian life is harder. Well, look what happens. Hebrews 10. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Because we're going to have to be encouraged and spurred on to take the high road. We're going to need someone to come alongside of us and point out our sin and help us give it over to God. Now, uh, let me say this. Um, man, I always get nervous about doing this. Let me, I just want to talk for just a second to our online family. To those of you who are one of our locations, you can listen in because I think there's some wisdom here for you. But I want to speak specifically to our online family. And I know right now... You could be going, oh, you better be careful, boy, because I will click the X, I will swipe up and work. Can I, can I just be your pastor for just a second? I want to tell you a couple things. One, we love you. We put a ton of time and energy and resources to give you the very best online experience that we can week after week. Last week, there was a group of people from Peoria who watch online and they got up at 6 a.m. and they drove all the way from Peoria all the way to be here at first service on Sunday here in Quincy. They're trying hard to start a .TV location in someone's living room and I think they have desire that one day maybe there could be a location there. During second service last week at 48th Street, an 11-year-old boy was baptized here. He was watching online with his family for the last two years and he realized that his next step was that he needed to be baptized. So their very first time at the crossing was when they drove uh, two hours to show up at our church. They came on a Saturday, went out to Texas Roadhouse, which is what people do. They stayed in a hotel. They got up. The first time they walked in, their, in our doors was the day their child was getting baptized. However, as awesome as those stories are, yeah, you can applaud if you guys are still awake. Yeah, that's great. Uh, listen, to both of you who applause, God bless you. May God, re you know, just take care of you. Those of you who are asleep, may God wreak havoc on your life. Uh, I'm just messing with you. Listen, however, onli online is at its best when you are using it to stay connected and dealing with sickness and you're navigating travel. Online is at its best when people are using it as an opportunity to get to know our church before they attend our church. However, online is at its worst when you use it to avoid the weekend services and being connected to community. 
if you live in community uh, where it's too hard for you to find a church or where the crossing doesn't exist, I want you to hear me say this. We will work with you. We will make it our priority to help you find a really great, fantastic church. There are better preachers, better pastors, and better churches out there than we can provide to you online. And you will be blessed by God inside of his plan for community. My experience is that those who begin to neglect the gathering of the assembly end up growing cold in their faith, weak in their walk. There is less evangelism, less growth, less serving, less caring for and meeting the needs of others, less discipleship. It appears to me that they can end up being lulled into spiritual complacency and give up participation in God's glorious mission. They can just end up checking a box. My parents have a huge wood-burning fireplace, and every Thanksgiving we go and we spend the whole week there, and we chop wood, and we throw it in the fireplace. And you can take a fiery hot coal, and you can pull it out, and you can leave it in the fireplace, but you can put it off to the side, right at the corner. And it won't take long before it glazes over, becomes gray, and cool to the touch. However, you take that cold coal and you put it back into the fire with the other coals and in no time at all, it is brought back to a fiery orange and red. And I believe that that can happen to you. You listen to me. Right now as I'm talking, some of you hopefully are feeling a little convicted that for one reason or another, you haven't made being a part of a church a priority. And Satan might be whispering in your ear, yeah, I'd like to go back, but it's going to be awkward because it has been too long. I want you to hear me say it. Not true. We will rejoice and be excited and I will wear my arms out giving you hugs that you are back. You were not supposed to do life alone. And the very moment you're being pointed towards truth, Satan will try to rob it. Look what it says, Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Look what happens the very next verse. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. It is hard for you to be encouraged when you are not in community. Now, I want to be clear. Biblical community is not friends who get together at a coffee shop or go on shopping trips or who are all the fun moms on the travel baseball team. Listen, it's not a bunch of guys going hunting or golfing. That's not what I'm talking about. You can do all of those things. But that is not what I'm talking about when I say being in community. Here are the four components as we see in scripture when it comes to biblical community. It has an intentional leader, a relational environment, a biblical foundation, and a reproducible process. Here's what I mean when I talk about an intentional leader. An intentional leader is someone who is committed to moving people on the, on the spiritual continuum. Okay? They are going, how can I move somebody? They're obsessed by it. It's their, they're wanting to help people mature in Christ and grow in Christ and learn in Christ. This is what Jesus did with all of his disciples. This is what Paul did with those who were doing ministry alongside of him. They feel a spiritual burden to take ownership and responsibility of what is happening in their friend circle and the lives of the people they care about. They're strategically going, how can I help this person move closer to Jesus? You have to have an intentional leader. You also have to have a relational environment, okay? You have to have an environment where there can be dialogue, where you can hear from one another. This is not a relational environment, okay? I, 
talking to you and I'm assuming an awful lot about what's going on in your world or what you need to hear and I'm relying heavily on the Holy Spirit for that. But some of the best growth that ever happens happens across uh, a kitchen table and in the middle of the backswing while you're golfing while someone is trying to help you grow in Christ. Then you gotta have a biblical foundation. Okay, the reason why you have to have a biblical foundation is because if we are going to meet, we, there's no foundation that has been laid other than Jesus Christ. And if we are going to help somebody build their life, they need to build it on a foundation that will not crumble when the storms come. Look what it says in 2 Timothy. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When we commit ourselves as a group of believers, as a community of believers to the Bible, we are going to be made useful for every good work that God has us to do. Now, why are all three of these things important? Well, imagine what would happen if you take one of these uh, away. What if you took away a biblical foundation? You just had an intentional leader and a relational environment. You have a recipe for a really cool cult, right? That wouldn't uh, be good. Anybody want to be a part of a cult? Didn't think so. Okay, what happens if you get rid of the relational environment? Well, now you have a classroom. All of us were like, hey, we got out of school for a reason. We are not going back. Okay, what if you don't have an intentional leader? You have chaos. You have a bunch of people trying to do stuff, but nobody actually helping people move strategically forward. But the last thing you have to have is you have to have a reproducible process where you raise people up to eventually be the intentional leader in their own relational environment where eventually you come alongside and say, you know what, I want to help people grow and develop in their walk with the Lord, where they leave your biblical community and start a biblical community on their own. Eventually, the kids need to leave the house. Eventually, you're going, I'm not making you your macaroni anymore. You can make it yourself. Get them, Clayton. I will. Okay? You got to you gotta step into this gently, but you want to help people realize that God made them to make a difference too. That there's some of you right now that like you're going, man, I, I do feel a sense of spiritual ownership over what's happening in people's lives. And I, I do want to be a part of people growing in the relationship with Jesus. That, that might just be the Holy Spirit telling you, you just might be an intentional leader. And what you need to figure out a way is to create a relational environment so you can help people grow. Do you know how you came to faith? You came to faith because other people were intentional leaders. They branched out and made sacrifices to help you grow. And it would be a shame for us not to pass that very blessing on that brought so much joy and life change in to us. There has to be a place that is committed to biblical community. And I say it's here. And I say it's with us. And I say it's now. We're moving to a time of decision. <laughs> oh, listen to me. If you are here and you've never started an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know we would love for you to be a part of our community. Because being a part of our community you don't have to believe all the right things or have done all the right things. Do you know how, uh, what the qualifications are for you to being a part of this community? Jesus died on the cross for your sins because that is the only qualification that unites any of us. That God poured out his love on us when we did not deserve it. And it has nothing to do with whether or not you've responded to it or not. And you might be going, but Clayton, you mean I can be in a biblical community 
and be mad at God? Yeah. Can I be in biblical community and uh, not believe in God? Uh, yeah. Uh, can I be in biblical community if I've only been to church once? Yeah. There's not like a prerequisite for how many times you have to come to church before you can start receiving the blessing of the church because the church exists for all the people who haven't found Jesus yet. It exists to glorify God and accomplish his mission, which means you are welcome here. You can belong here. You can be a part of what God is doing here. And this church is committed to this. This church is committed to you. But here's what happens. When you come into an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, he deposits his Holy Spirit into your heart, and he brings about change from the inside out. You know why you get frustrated? It's because so much of our change is from the outside in. You just got done with your New Year's resolutions. And when I meant done, I mean you're already done with the resolutions you made. Okay, you know. And we kind of take that approach into our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what, I'm, I'm going to really get my sin figured out, and then, and then I'll get serious about Jesus. Like, then I'll step into the relationship. Like, I'm not going to buy the swimsuit until I should put the swimsuit on. And so you're working hard all on your own to accomplish something just so you know that you couldn't have fixed from the very beginning. Check this out. If you could fix you, God would not have sent his son to die on the cross for you. If you're thinking, man, I've got to get enough things right in my life before I start a relationship with Jesus. Satan is clouding your mind. He is doing everything in his power to keep you from accepting the grace that is a free gift deposited into your life when you accept that relationship with Jesus. Here's what happens. We just come to the realization that we can't fix it. If we could have fixed it, it would have already been fixed. But Jesus comes and says, I love you where you are, and I love you enough not to leave you there. And so you go to him and you say, I'm ready to begin an intimate personal relationship with you. I want to make you Lord and Savior of my life. Savior means that he is the one who rescues you, redeems you. He's the one who handles your sin of your past and the, the sins of your present. He's the one who purifies you and makes you holy. And then you make him your Lord where you're going, all right, from here on out, because of what you've done for me, I am ready to live for you. I believe that your way is the best way, and I want to live in accordance with that. And just so you know, you're going to screw it up. Because some of you might be going, I mean, I want all that, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to mess up. Just so you know, you are surrounded by a bunch of monumental screw-ups. They've emailed me. You are sitting by some messed up people. We all still mess up, but that doesn't take away God's grace. That doesn't take away God's vision for our life. That doesn't take away his love. You've been dealt with so many people who love so poorly their love is based, or the love that you have with them is based on conditions. I'll love you as long as. But God is, I'll love you anyway. I'll love you anyway. You can get things right today and screw it up tomorrow, and God says, I'll love you anyway. You can be talking to somebody, and you can be going, man, I remember when we had a good fill in the blank. I remember when we had a good run. You don't have a good run with God, because God never runs from you. He stays with you every step of the way. And if you're here today, and you've never started an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please don't walk out of here without talking to somebody about it. In just a few moments when the people around you stand up and they start singing, and some of them come to the steps, there's gonna be somebody over there by the baptistry who would love a chance to connect with you. Or maybe you wanna talk to somebody over at the info bar in the lobby, or maybe you wanna talk to somebody in your row. But talk to somebody, get some of your questions answered. Some of you know that you just need to make that decision today. Like you need to stop putting it off. 
You've watched everybody else start their relationship with Jesus, and you're just kind of holding out for I don't know what. Let's talk about that. To the rest of you in the room, Christians, come here. We have to be committed to this. We have to be committed to allowing people closer than arm's reach. We have to let people in. Not just for them, not just because they need an opportunity to learn and grow from your triumphs and your struggles, but because you need an opportunity and humility to learn from them. That you're gonna need people around you to encourage you and support you as you try to live the Christian walk. And when you do this life without community, what I've seen is over time, Satan wins. He plucks you from the herd. He steals the joy that you once had in your salvation. Not only that, the best way to reach the people we care about is in community, where they actually experience love and there's dialogue and you can help them grow. And I'm praying that you, that you would take this seriously. And you're going, oh man, Clayton, no. I was actually really glad that my friend was here because I wanted my friend to hear this and I want that person who's sitting in front of me for them to really listen to your sermon. I'm taking this one off. No, come here. God has equipped you to make disciples. He has equipped you to make a difference. He has put it inside of you to be an intentional leader. That's what the family originally was. It was the place where kids were, were developed and grown in the Lord. And then some of us go, you know what, on top of the responsibility of my family, I'm gonna make an investment in somebody else's family for their good. And you know, I know you might be going, but I don't have all the answers. Just so you know, I don't either. Sometimes people ask me questions, I have no clue. And so I go to Google and my Bible, and I figure it out, and I get back to them. But I'll tell you this, it's in those conversations and in those questions that my faith has grown the most. What if what was holding you back from growing the most in your faith was you taking responsibility to help somebody grow in theirs? Here's what I'm asking. If you're a Christian, if you've been touched by the blood of Jesus, if your life has been changed by his mercy and his grace, would you find some time during the next song to, whether you go over to the baptistry and put your hands in the water or you decide to just pray right where you're at or you wanna come here and get down on your knees, but would you ask God to help you take a step towards community? Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. We're thankful for you. We don't deserve you. But God, I'm asking that you would do a work in our church today. Not just here at our 48th Street location, not just to those watching online, and not just to those who will eventually watch inside, but at every single one of our locations. That you would fire some people up to be intentional leaders. That you would get some people to the point where they're ready to be in community and step out of isolation. God, that you would use this church with all of her deficiencies and all the areas where we fall short to reach people that nobody else is reaching. In your name I pray, amen.